Put God first. Your presence in their lives gives them validation. Our children don't need us to be superheroes. If you do these things, the next generation and the generations that follow will live in a world far better than the one we have today. Men, stand up, be fathers. Hey guys, it's Mark, your host and founder of The Inspired Legacy. As always, this is the show that equips and inspires you to be spiritual leaders in your home. Today, we're going to continue our theme of leaving a legacy. I've said this, I don't know, probably a thousand times before on the show, but to leave a legacy, we've got to make a meaningful connection with our kids. But with all the distraction in our lives, that can definitely be a challenge sometimes. So now, more than ever, we've got to be intentional about connecting with our family. My guest today is Blake Brewer. He's the CEO and founder of the Endurance, as well as the Legacy Letter Challenge, which we're going to unpack in our discussion today. Blake's mission, however, is to empower fathers to connect with their kids, lead their families, and run their God-given race with endurance. Guys, I don't know. If that's not a mere reflection of what the Inspired Legacy is all about, then I don't know what is. So guys, let's get to it. I'm excited for you to hear Blake's story, and I know we've got a lot to cover. So Blake, Welcome to the show, man. What's up, Mark? I'm so glad to be here. I've been looking forward to this interview. And I, like you've already said, I think our mission, the thing that we're after is almost identical. So I, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. It today. really is. And I'm always excited when I stumble across guys out there doing like basically the same thing with the same message and, and goal. So uh, I'm happy that we were able to connect and, and get you on here. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. Some of the things that you that I've read about and some of the things you were saying, I'm like, wait, did he get that from my website? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, before we get into your story, give us your dad bio. I know you you're married and got kids. So kind of give us the 411 there. I became a dad almost five years ago when my daughter, Gracie Kate was born. She came out of the womb at nine pounds, 13 ounces. And we were like, oh my goodness. Good size. <laughs> yeah. She was real like the doctor and everybody was like, oh my gosh. And then two years later, my son came out of the womb, Bo, and he was 11 pounds. Oh my ounces, goodness. 24 inches long. And it was your poor I mean, wife. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a little dramatic. And, uh, I didn't think we were going to have any more kids after that. And then three weeks ago, my wife, uh, gave birth to my second son Brooks. He was only nine pounds, 13 ounces, but that's only because we decided to take him out 10 days early. He was headed towards 11 pounds. Wow. So my, I, my wife has definitely been, uh, mad at me over this. Like it was all my fault. Uh, I was 10 pounds, eight ounces. Oh, okay. She blames my genetics. Yeah. But I'm like, look, I cannot help this. <laughs> yeah. Those are some, those are some big numbers. Well, congratulations. That's uh you're, that's pretty brand new baby there. You got in the house. Yeah. My wife, she's a rock star. She's doing awesome taking care of him. And then uh, I'm going to spend maybe even a little bit more time with my two older ones and uh, Mark, they are so much fun. We're oh, having yeah. a blast. Uh, I'm playing baseball in the backyard with my two year. He's all, he just turned three, uh, Bo. And then he also loves playing football already. So we actually, oh, wow. wa we watch a lot of videos of Bo Jackson and, and cause his name is Bo Brewer. And yeah. so we'll go out in the backyard and basically he tries to be Bo Jackson out in the backyard. It's a blast. That is awesome. Yeah. Those are some fun years when they can start to 
catch the ball, you know, or understand that oh. concept. And he, he loves playing fumble ruski. So we just like <laughs> tackle each other and I fumble the ball and he jumps on it and we just fight over it. And I let him win, but he knows I could take him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got an 11 year old and he still likes to wrestle and he's getting closer to being able to take me because he's a, he's not a real big kid, but he's big enough. I got to watch myself. <laughs> well, my advice is keep wrestling him with him because and all the research and all the data shows that when dads wrestle with their kids, man, so many good things happen. Even when we like restrain and, and don't use our hundred percent strength, but they feel it, they know that yeah. we could, uh, there's just a lot of value in that. So when I read that, I was already enjoying wrestling with my kids, but when I read all that stuff, I was like, well, we're going to keep going. Yeah, you're right. When I had Warren Farrell on the show last year, I never realized this, but there's actual science behind what you just said like you when you wrestle that roughhouse play you actually build trust and that's how they kind of learn empathy to a certain degree yeah it's amazing on the flip side of that i've also uh started kissing my son more because i started seeing the data and the research behind that and i didn't really know what to do and i was over here i had no problem kissing my daughter and then i was like well am i supposed to kiss my son or not kissing and all the research shows definitely kiss your son. It's not a sexual thing at all. Right, He's right. only two or three years old. He has no idea. Right. Right. And then it's actually can, would really hurt him as he's trying to figure out like, wait, why is dad kissing and showing affection to my sister? But he hasn't shown affection to me. Oh, sure. And they start making up this story that, oh, dad doesn't really love me. It doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't really. So, man, I make sure that he knows I love him and man, I lay it on him yeah. every, every day, every night. And, uh, and we smooch <laughs> in a manly way. No, that's a good point though. I mean, I think guys were sort of, uh, I don't know if insecure is the right word, but we were, we're kind of trained to not be really affectionate like that with our sons. But, uh, yeah, there's definitely an impact there when they see us doing it with, with our daughters and yeah, I hadn't really thought about it in those terms. That's a good point. So, um, let's dive into the endurance. So with, you know, that mission, you know, it's obvious that you've got a passion about or for helping dads rather, um, helping dads connect with their kids. I should say, where'd that come from? Well, you know, from a couple of places, definitely from my dad, which we'll, we'll dive into that story. But then especially once I became a dad and I started to see, uh, the value in connecting with our children and all the research and the data that shows um, how a person just does so much better in life, their emotional intelligence, everything is so much better when dad connects with children, but also see how hard it is for a dad to connect with their children. I would say it's even harder uh, than ever before in history uh, for a lot of different reasons, but a lot of it just boils down to our cell phones and social media. So it's on our end as a dad, I see myself getting so distracted. I want to hang out with my kids, but then the phone vibrates or whatever. And next mm-hmm. thing you know, I was only going to you know, be on it for a minute and I'm like sucked in for 10, 20, 30 minutes, but also our children, uh, they have access to more voices in their life than ever before in history. A hundred years ago, yep. who would my children 
be listening to me, my wife, my family, maybe, you know, we would go to like a small church and that's all that they have to listen to. But now our children can literally the entire world can speak into their life and they can go listen to anybody they want to. Right. And the, the world is screaming at them. Hey, come do it this way. Yep. And my message is, you know, for a father, we can't just throw our hands up in there and say, well, it's too hard. You know, we have too much competition man, absolutely not. We've got to step up to the plate because our children desperately need to hear from us more than ever. They need mm-hmm. to hear our guiding voices as they're trying to wade through all these other voices. They need to hear us. Yeah. hundred percent. Cause if they don't, like you said, they're going to hear it from somebody else. And I think because of those distractions, they can be very easily viewed as um, substitutes for our own time right? It's really easy to take your little kid, plop them in front of the TV or hand them a phone. It's like, here, play with this. Let them, let their time be occupied with those things rather than us having to, like you said, step up to the plate and actually do our job as dads. Oh yeah. It's, it's so easy to, you know, have a replacement, uh, replacement dad, like you said, the TV Mm -hmm. or the phone or whatever, Mm -hmm. but that's not what, that's not what our children need. Our children. And I, I don't want to sound like I'm you know, perfect, but I'm guilty of it as well. But it's when it becomes a habitual thing, that's when it becomes a problem, I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting thinking back on, you know, the, the lack uh, or the, the challenges we see with dads connecting with their kids. I think, and I've, I've heard and I've read a little bit that kind of goes back to the age of, or the industrial age, the rise of the industrial age. Cause before that dads were literally working the fields with their children and and working on the farm, working on the homestead and everybody was right there. Family, you know, worked together. Then with the rise of uh, the industrial age, you know, dad went off to work at the factory or what have you and was gone all day. And from that point forward, it's like, that's kind of the progression that we've seen. You know, dads are only around for a couple hours every day in the morning and the evening or moms, you know, if they're working, but I think that's, that's a reality and that's not changing, but that's the challenge I think we need to be aware of. Well, yeah, you're exactly right. And so now children are, you know, this goes back to, like you said, the industrial revolution are being raised by women, whether it's their moms, but also school teachers. And so you're just not around the guys as much Mm -hmm. around the dads because the dads are off at work, but even more so than that, um, you know, as, as we've experienced more wealth in this country, never before in history, have you had the opportunity to be so selfish or individualistic because you could decide at 18 years old, Hey, I'm going to leave my family and just go try to make it by myself before a hundred years ago, you absolutely needed your family uh, to make it through life. Like you couldn't just leave because there was no, like nowhere to go. There wasn't like a job you could go get. So for the last 2000 years, um, you know, and you see in Bible times, um, you know, the family going back to Abraham, like the family was so important. And the father knew that he, if his family was going to keep going, he was going to have to train up his children. He's going to have to teach his children. So it was more than just like, he spent more time with them. Like he just had this burden to, to, to lead his family. But now fathers, we don't have that burden as much because it's like, well, they can take care of themselves and I don't need them to take care of me because I have enough wealth. I have my savings account, you know, or social security. So we don't even need our children to take care of us like they did for most of history. Like 
for most of history, like the family just needed each other to survive. And now we're so independent. We don't need our family anymore. Yeah, no, you're, you're right, man. So going back to my question, cause I think I got us off track there. So where did your passion come from for helping dads connect with their kids? Well, my dad was a, a, a pretty good dad. And, uh, my dad was the type of dad who, you know, had a normal job, came home at five, but man, we were happy to see him and he spent time with us. He was my little league coach, football, baseball. I have these memories of my dad at night. He would come into our bed, my sister and I's bed, and we would pray together, uh, every night before we went to bed. Uh, now I, I'd found out later that it was my mom who had put him up to that and said, Hey, I think that's a good idea if you go pray, you know, with your kids. So I do recognize behind a lot of good dads, there's a good mom. A thousand percent. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so, um, you know, I had a good dad growing up and then, uh, when we were, when I was 19 years old, I had a really uh, traumatic experience, uh, with my father that I hope, nobody else has to ever experience. Um, we had gone on a lot of vacations growing up, you know, to Florida, to Colorado, but my mom had planned this trip to go to Hawaii. And this was like the pinnacle vacation. And I yeah. had just finished my freshman year of college and we were so, so excited to go. And I remember the first morning that, that we were there is my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother, my grandmother was actually on the trip too. And we were trying to decide what we were going to do. And we were looking at all these pamphlets and there was this one pamphlet, uh, that talked about going to ride mopeds. And my dad, I remember my dad made a joke and we all laughed and my dad wasn't really the jokester and he mocked himself riding a moped and the reason this was so funny is because my dad was this really big guy and he was 6'3", 230. He actually played football. Uh, he was a tight end at Louisiana Tech and got drafted by the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, wow. He was, yeah, he was Terry Bradshaw's tight end at Tech. And so he caught Terry Bradshaw's first touchdown pass. Senior year, they were roommates together. So they were oh, both wow. getting drafted. I have this really awesome picture of my dad and Bradshaw who got invited to go visit Nixon. And so they're, they're in the Oval Office together. So this was kind of, that was my identity growing up. Yeah. Was, yeah. My dad was Terry Bradshaw's tight end. Um, so anyway, we were there in Hawaii and my dad was just mocking himself, like riding this moped around, like, what would this look like? We're like, okay, we're not going to go ride mopeds, but we decided <laughs> to go to, uh, Hanama Bay. And if you've ever been to Hawaii, you know, this is one of the most beautiful beaches in the world. And so as soon as we got there, uh, we put on our snor- snorkel gear and headed out in the water and Mark, it was, it was so cool. Like we were seeing some of the coolest fish. It was so beautiful. We saw a sea turtle, but even more than that, uh, I just remember thinking, man, it's just me and my dad out here. Mm. And, you know, I'd been at college for a year, so it was just extra special to just kind of be with him. And my dad and I just, uh, kept going further and further out and, uh, looking at cooler and cooler stuff. And next thing I know, we were in an area where the water had gotten a little more treacherous. I now know it was an area called witch's brew and I, I pull my head out of the water and I, and I, I don't see my dad and I look up and my dad is actually trying to get out of the water uh, on this rock and trying to climb out. I remember thinking, why is he trying to get out of the water right there? 
because the waves were just crashing against it. And sure enough, as he's about halfway out of the water, a wave crashes against him, knocks him back down in the water. And I'm thinking, man, I bet he's in, he's in trouble or, you know, I better head over there. So I started swimming to that area. Uh, and again, the waves are just so big. So I really can't see where I'm going. Like, and I just, you know, I'm, I'd be like at the trough of this big wave and I just kept going in. And then, um, I hear my dad yelling for help. And my dad had this really deep booming voice and I'll never forget this yell for help because it was more like, like a whimper. And I just knew that, okay, dad's not doing good. And I I kept swimming towards where he was. And by the time I got to my dad, uh, enough time had passed. I mean, I was swimming as fast as I could, but my dad was actually underneath the water and he was uh, unconscious. And then at that moment, I'm thinking, oh man, this is so serious. I've got to get my dad to shore and I've got to get my dad around that rock to the other side of the rock. And I put my arms around him. Uh, I did the best that I could to try to like keep his head above water. And I just started swimming and I was exhausted. I was having these thoughts, how in the world am I ever going to make this? And at that moment, a, a snorkeler that was in the area who had seen, seen us struggling showed up and he basically took over swimming with my dad, which allowed me to go to the shore. And I think that was by God's grace. Cause I don't think I would have left my dad and I don't know how much longer I could have made it. And so when I'm on shore, um, when I get to shore, a lifeguard actually passed me and he was going out there, uh, got my dad on his surfboard. They brought him to shore. And I just remember as they were doing CPR on the shore to my dad, I just remember getting on my knees and just begging God for my dad's life. And you know how it is in the movies where the water, like someone who's they're doing CPR too, like the water just kind of kind of gargles out of their mouth and then they kind of choke and they eventually come to, I just knew at any moment that's what was about to happen. Um, my mom and sister were on the beach laying out and they kind of saw the whole, saw all this commotion over there and said, Hey, that's where dad and, and Blake were. So they ran over and I just never forget the look on my mom's face as she ran up. And I just had to tell her mom, I, I don't think he's going to make it like this is not good. And they loaded my dad in the ambulance and we got a phone call a few minutes later, 10 or 15 minutes later when they got to the hospital that they had pronounced my dad dead. And Mm. it was just, it was so like unbelievable. Like how in the world did this happen? I was literally having one of the best days of my life. And now my life forever is about to has changed. My dad is gone Um, I remember going to the hospital and just looking at my dad laying in that hospital bed, obviously still just had a swimsuit on no shirt and he just looked asleep. And it's still one of those moments. I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that, where it's like, surely he's about to just wake up. Like this isn't real, is it? And we went back to the, to the condo that we were staying in. And I remember, I was on the in the back bedroom and I was just asking God, uh, like, like, 
what just happened? Why did this have to happen? Um, God, are you, are you really in control here? Is there even a God? Like, do I yeah, even really yeah. believe in God? And if there is a God, do I really want to even follow this God? So I was asking all those types of questions and it was at that moment, my mom walked in the room and she said, I, I just got uh, this out of your dad's suitcase and it's something that he's been working on the last couple months and he was going to give it to you on this trip. It's a letter. I had no idea that this letter existed, that my dad had been working on it and I began to read it. And this was, and even before I started reading it, I was just thinking, wow, like dad worked on a letter for me for a couple months. Like I, I immediately felt loved and a sense of peace. And then as I read this letter, I had even more peace um, as this letter was basically a letter of encouragement. In this letter, my dad encouraged me to just persevere in life, that there was going to be trials. Uh, my dad encouraged me to have courage. Uh, he encouraged me to, to know the scriptures for myself. He said, you don't want to just rely on preachers and evangelists and teachers. Like you've got to know the word of God yourself. Um, and then the last line of this letter that my dad wrote, keep in mind, he had no idea that he was about to die when he wrote this, but he said, you might be in the minority here on earth for your faith, but I assure you that in heaven, you'll be in the majority. Mm. Love your dear old dad in Christ Jesus. And so it was so powerful. And I just knew at that moment, I was like, my dad is in heaven right now. And I began to just have this thought, you know, if God said to my dad, Hey, Larry, do you want to, do you want to go back? You want to go back to earth? My dad would say, heck no, like heaven is too good. I'll just wait right here on them. Yeah. And I I found a lot of peace in just knowing that my dad was in heaven with God. Uh, And then really through that letter, and my dad's death, I just began to um, just have more of an eternal perspective. And, you know, if, if there is a God, which I believe that there is a God, then I really want to live for the things that uh, God is about. Mm-hmm. And so uh, really that, that from that day forward, my, my purpose and my mission in life uh, changed. I ended up getting my accounting degree from our, from our university of Arkansas. But that whole time that I was there, I purposely lived on campus for the next three and a half years so that I might, uh, mentor and disciple and share the gospel with guys on campus. Um, and over and over and over again, I got to share the story of my dad, oh, wow. um, which every single time I was, man, this is awesome. I get to honor my dad's legacy, but yeah. I'm also getting to talk about eternity, um, and the gospel. And then as I graduated, you know, it's like, Oh, I'm a business guy. I'm going to go get a business job. But I ended up spending the next 12 years on a college campus working for that ministry, uh, so that I could influence, uh, people with the gospel. And then, uh, as I, as that time was coming to end, I had to make a decision. Was I going to go get a a business job or is there something that I could do that could really uh, serve people and serve dads? And I just kept coming back to that letter and just thinking, gosh, if everybody 
had a letter like this from their dad because it's it's the letter it's more than just the letter because in the letter you're hearing everything that we need to hear from mm. your dad yeah um, that he you know he loves you he's proud of you he believes in you and i just you know and the data backs all this up that we were talking about when someone hears all those things from their dad but now it's in a letter so that it's lasting and someone can read it over and over and over again it's like i've got to do whatever i can to help more dads write a letter like this to their children. Oh man, there's a lot there. <laughs> yeah, um, I just kept talking. No, no, I, I would let you keep talking if you would want to. Um, <laughs> what year was that, that, that your dad passed away? Uh, 2003, he died May 23rd, 2003. Okay. So I was so, 19 years old. I'm 38 now. Sure. So, after all that time, I mean, he's obviously that, that event and his legacy has obviously impacted your life, but how, how has that letter sort of resonated in your, in your brain since then? Like, do you hear his voice through that letter or unpack that for me a little bit? Yeah, I would say absolutely. Not only did it allow me to get through that time. And my, you know, for the next year, I mean, I was definitely in mourning. I mean, I, every, I never cried so much. I, I don't have any memory of crying before that. And now I was crying almost every night because yeah, um, I miss my dad. Um, you know, every conversation I had with someone, I was thinking, do they know about my, you know, this is before Facebook. So it's like, do they even know about my dad? Are they, are we about to talk about my dad? Which I didn't mind talking about it if someone asked and cared. Um, but that letter just gave me, uh, just a sense of peace and honestly a sense of gratitude. Um, as I realized that so many people don't even know their dad or they don't have a good dad. And I had a good dad for 19 years of my life. Yeah. I can be thankful for that. hundred percent. Uh, God never promises anywhere that my dad or anyone was going to live to be 70, 80, 90 years old. My dad lived yep. until he was 54. I can be thankful for that. Yep. And so I, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of on kind of a unique attitude to have like most people don't have attitudes like that. Like right after, you know, someone dies like that, like I no. could have easily gone the other way, yeah. you know, and I could have tried to run from my pain and, you know, try to medicate it with drugs and alcohol and all those things. And I did the exact opposite. I, I grew in my relationship with God. And so I think it was my dad's letter that allowed me to do that. Cause ultimately what the letter was doing is it was pointing to our heavenly father because and the data backs this up too, that when a father um, worships God and serves God, that's so much more likely that the kids are going to do it. So I was really just trying to, I was following in my dad's footsteps. He sure. worshiped God, he served God. So I'm going to do the same thing. Um, but then it's been neat how that letter, uh, you know, 18 years later, as I've gone through different phases of my life from, okay, now I'm a college graduate. Okay. Now I'm married. Okay. Now I have kids. That letter takes on new meaning and sure. I see it in a different, uh, through a different lens. And definitely as I've had hard times in my life or I've faced big decisions, I go back to the letter and, uh, you know, sometimes I, you know, I go back and read it a lot, but a lot of, I've read it enough to know, I mean, I've read enough. I like his voice is there. Like his voice is in the back of my head, my that dad's so voice. Cool. So, um, I've, I've talked to several friends who they're, 
uh, parents died too soon and they've said, man, I, I wish I had had a letter like that from my dad where, you know, you, you remember the things that your dad said, but when it's like written down on paper, you know, there's no doubt. Okay. This is what my dad believed, you know, but this is what he believed about me, but this is what he believed about life. And I can, if I ever have any doubts, I just go back to that letter. Like mm-hmm. I know what my dad believed. Had he ever written anything like that to you before? No. So it made it that much more special. Yeah. Yeah. He had had never written anything uh, like that. So, I mean, it was definitely uh, God's grace that allowed him to write that letter when he did. I'm so glad he didn't put it off one more month or one more year. And I have no idea what he gave up during those couple months that he worked on that letter, what TV show he didn't watch. Sure. Uh, but man, there's nothing more valuable that my dad could have been doing with that time than writing me and my sister and brother that letter. Have you come to learn like was what sparked him to write the letter? Do you know? Is there any indication? I there's no indication. I don't know. I've asked my mom. My mom wasn't even fully in the loop of what was she knew he was working on a letter, but didn't understand, you know. I have no idea where he got the idea. Mm. Whatever it was, I'm grateful. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh you just gotta think that God God had a hand in the timing of that letter for sure. Right. Well, yeah, because not only did it impact me, but through writing that letter, my dad's letter has impacted thousands and tens of thousands of other people because I've been able to share this story um with so many people one to one, small groups on mm-hmm. the stages. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty amazing how God is using it. Yeah. And and now it's part of his legacy too. So let's unpack a little bit. Obviously that letter has since, you know, provided you with a source of encouragement and love and support and, and you reflect on it often, but it sounds to me like it's turned into a thing now. Tell us about the legacy letter challenge. Well, as I mentioned, I, I think every dad needs to write at least one kind of well-written, meaningful, lasting legacy letter. And I realized, you know, not too long ago that it's not enough for me just to inspire dads to go write a letter because I've never met a dad who doesn't see the value in writing that letter, but almost every dad that I meet and I've talked to doesn't actually get the letter written. Uh, so I realized that I was going to have to create something where I basically kind of hold dad's hands through the process of writing the letter. And there's a lot of good reasons why dads don't get the letter. written. I mean, it's when I was writing my kid's letter, legacy letter, mm-hmm. like it was kind of overwhelming to think about. <clears throat> and, you know, I wanted to make sure I got said the right stuff in there. And then, you know, life just happens. Uh, so uh, we, I created the legacy letter challenge and it's um, a four week course where each week, I kind of, I go through a different section of the letter. And so I explain uh, why your kids need, need to hear this from you. So like one lesson is the three things your kids absolutely need to hear from you. You know, I love you. I'm proud of you and I believe in you. And so we talk about how you can, you know, write this in your letter. Another week we talk about uh, the memories uh, that you have with your children and how these memories can actually really serve your children well to hear the things that you remember about them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we brainstorm the memories, but I'm like, you know, it's only, you can't, you're not writing a novel here, so you can't include every single memory. So let's include the memories in there. They're going to serve your children the best. Uh, we have a section of the letter where, 
uh, we talk about uh, expressing regrets and asking for forgiveness, which I think is really powerful because what I tell dads is number one, you're not the perfect dad because nobody is. So you have absolutely hurt or wounded your children in some way, even if you don't know that you have. And so you would hate it if you've you've written this wonderful letter to your children, but they have kind of something blocking it, like because you haven't asked for forgiveness. Um, And so you, we need to ask for forgiveness. I had one dad or one friend who got a letter from his dad a couple of years ago and his dad was apologizing for a couple of things, but it was a horrible apology. He started making excuses and it, it really wasn't an apology. And so the letter didn't work like his, the letter didn't, uh, my friend couldn't get past that and his brothers couldn't get past that. So I just realized that not, not only do I need to help dads actually get the letter done, but I know some things I know what needs, what their children need to hear from them. So I make sure that those things are in the letter. It's absolutely the dad's letter. Like what I say is you have a letter in your heart. I'm just going to help you get that letter from your heart to your mind and to a piece of paper. Uh, and so that your letter can have maximum impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're going to spend the time writing this letter, like you want, you know, you know, something that is really going to impact your children in, in the biggest way possible. Yeah, man. What a valuable service. Cause I just putting myself in, uh, the shoes of anybody thinking of doing this and I can relate to it. Cause I've, I've done something similar, but it was more of a prayer. Like I wrote out the prayer that I prayed for my kids. That's awesome. And it was a good exercise. Um, but I think that most people in general, you think of writing something like this and you think of the, the long-term impact that this letter could have. And it's just like overwhelming. And it's like, Oh, I would like to do that, but I don't know where to start. And then I never actually do it. So it's yeah. awesome that you're, you've provided a, a platform that walks people through this. And I don't know if holding their hand is the right uh, <laughs> phraseology, but it, sometimes that's what it takes. And so it's, it's awesome that you've created this. Well, there's, there's definitely no shame in saying I need some help uh, because, and, and generally I get it. Like most probably most dads even listening to this say, Oh, I, I can do that myself. I don't need any help. Yeah. But if you look at, (laughs) yeah, but if you look at any of the good things that you do in your life, you just, it's, you do it better when you have help, you do it better when you have accountability, like when you have other guys in your life that are pushing you, helping you do it. And so, uh, you know, as I, I limit my groups to 50, 50 guys. So like here in the next few weeks, there's going to be around 50 guys going through it together. And so that you go through it, you know, my website, my plat, I have an app and a platform. And so uh, you you really feel like you're doing it with these other guys. Um, and there's opportunities to jump on zoom calls with other guys and really, you know, push each other. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a pretty cool process. And we just finished, uh, around, uh, last week and these dads, I mean, for one, they were reading parts of their letters and man, I was getting choked up and I was just thinking, Oh my goodness, like this is absolutely going to change your, change your kid's life. And they were writing, some were writing to adult children. Some were writing to like toddlers. One get dad was writing to his unborn son, which was just mm. unbelievable that his unborn son is going to have this letter. Like, is he ever going to wonder if his dad loves him? He's like, no, my dad took the time to write me a letter, even telling me how much he loved me and how proud he was of me. Even before I was born. Yes. My dad loves me. So, but it was just so neat hearing these dads and they, one of the overarching things that they kept coming back to was, yes, this letter is amazing. I can't wait to give it to my children, but the process 
for writing this letter and kind of reflecting uh, on the, on my family and my children was unbelievable. Like, like they just, they loved it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty deal. So on average, how long are these letters? Well, <clears throat> I would say, and are they typed one, out? Are they handwritten? So we, we talked through all that and the challenge and, and okay. really, you know, I, I try to leave all that stuff up to the dad. Sure. You know, um, my dad's letter was typed out. Uh, so honestly, I kind of appreciate it because it's easier to read. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that your first gut is, Oh, I need to write it out. Um, but I think typed out is just as good. Um, and, but it's really, it's up to the dad, but I would say one to five pages, Okay. you know, some, some guys are just like natural writers. You know, one dad, this past time he said, man, it just started, I just got down and I started writing and it started flowing. Yeah. Um, but, um, for all of the letters, whether it's one to five, you know, we have helped dads get some basic elements into the letter, but if you want to add more fluff or add more memories, uh, to the letter, um, you know, that obviously makes it longer. You add more details. I mean, there was, I told the dads on some of the memories, like you don't have to write out like a full thing, like just writing one sentence out. Like I remember the moment you were born and how proud I was. That's a memory. You shared it. It was one sentence, but there was a lot of value in writing that one sentence. Man, so you've really got my wheels turning here um, and we're, we're pushing our time, but I should probably wrap this up. We're obviously talking about legacy. This whole conversation is around legacy and um, your dad has left. He's created a legacy. He's left you a legacy with your, with this letter. But if you think of the phrase an inspired legacy, if you want to leave an inspired legacy, what does that mean to you? Does it take on any different meaning at all or? What do you think? Well, I know for my dad, when I think of his legacy, it has absolutely inspired me to leave a legacy with my children and is making me think through that. And so I would love to help fathers not only think through their legacy, but inspire their children to leave a legacy with their children. Because if we live with that mindset of trying to have an inspired legacy, man, I think I, th- I think we can change the world. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. You do a lot of things in your life, a lot with more intention when you think of things uh, with a legacy mindset, that's for sure. Well, Blake, if uh, a guy's listening and they want to maybe take a stab at writing a letter like this, how can they hook up with you? Where do they go? How do they get started? Well, you can go to legacy letter challenge.com. Uh, you can read more about my story. You can see a little bit more about the process, but you can sign up right there. And every single month I'm helping dads uh, write this letter. As soon as you sign up, I have like a five lesson prep course that really kind of gets your heart and your mind at the, you know, at the right spot to write a letter of this magnitude. And so you can go through that at your own pace. And then each month we'll start like on a Monday, uh, you know, I go live you don't have to watch it live. You can do it recorded and we'll give this the lesson in the section for the week, but legacy letter challenge.com. Awesome, man. Well, Blake, this is, this is exciting stuff. I think that it's a, it's something that more guys need to do. Um, thank you for leading the charge and I'm, I'm feeling kind of inspired to sit down and do this myself. Hey, join us this next month, man. I'd love to have you in the group. Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right, Blake, thanks for your time today. Appreciate it. I appreciate you, Mark. Guys, thanks for listening. 
If you got anything out of today's episode, please like and subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen to this right now. And if you're looking for a brotherhood of other like-minded men, guys who like to talk about the kinds of things you heard today, then I encourage you to check out the private Facebook group for The Inspired Legacy. There's a link to the group in today's show notes, as well as a link to leave an Apple podcast rating and review for the show. And that just helps us get The Inspired Legacy podcast in front of more men. So remember, like, subscribe, leave a review, and share our message. Because when we work together to lift up fatherhood, we're going to change the world one dad at a time. Until next time, live inspired.